this will get us on track. Say that you were, a, say that I gave you a cow and I asked you to go and sell that cow to God. Now, how many of you know you don't have a motivated buyer? He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. So how are you going to set the value with him? And while you're trying to do that, all of a sudden it hits you, wait a minute, the cow I'm trying to sell him, that's his too. He owns everything in the whole universe. So you get to the point with, yes, I can work with anyone in this room and establish value on something, value on your time, maybe value on an automobile you're trying to sell. But how does God establish value when he has everything? Everything is his. All the water, uh, the trees, the the earth, the universe, all of the stars and all the galaxies, they all belong to him. So how do you, as an individual, establish the value with God over what you give to him? Now, I realize there's a lot of parts to our Christian life, but a part of it is giving to God, paying our tithes and our offerings, and then coming forth with special offerings to the Lord. How does he establish value? Well, let me just quickly... I'll, I'll go to Isaiah 55, uh, 8 and 9, and it says there, uh, in the, uh, my, my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, saith the Lord, as the heaven is higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than thou, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So all of a sudden now we come into a situation as we're trying to set value with God, he says, I think about things different than you do. I have a whole different way of establishing my thinking pattern than you do. And God doesn't say, I'm going to think like you do so that we can have communication in finances. But God says, I want you to think like I think. And when you come to that point, you come to find that something very strange begins to happen. Now, there's a widow that one widow tells us about over in the book of John, and we're not going to look up all the scriptures. I, you know the scriptures. I'm just going to get as much information into your life as I can. But when you get over there to that widow that has two mites, two, let's call it two pennies. It was a little more than that, but let's just call it two pennies. And in the middle of this big offering that's being taken, and, and many, many people are given big amounts of money, the Bible says this woman comes and throws in two mites. There's a little extension to that thought. Because, you know, most of us give like this, but when it's so precious that you come down to the time to give, and she had those two pennies in her hand, and the Bible says it was all her living. She had many things that needed to be done with those two pennies. And so I know many a time she must have walked up there and said, no. She walked up again, I'm going to give it to you. No. And finally she just had to throw it to get it into the kingdom of God. It's sometimes the pressure inside of us because of our secular knowledge takes us beyond what God wants to show us in his great plan for us. Now watch this, please. All this giving going on, and Jesus looks at that woman that gave two pennies, and he says, you gave more than any of these. My goodness, if you want to find an error in the Bible, there's one. People giving big and two little pennies, and Jesus says, that's more than the other. Well, what was the what was the situation here? Please know, anything that's given is valuable. Everything has value. But there comes a point that some things are precious. And when she gave that all she had, even all her living, it became extremely precious in her sight. How I many of you know when you reach down to a certain point in your giving, 
it now has become precious. But when the precious is put into God's hand, out of all the giving, he looks at her and says, this woman has outgiven anyone that gave in this offering. Well, Lord, how does that make sense? Well, see, many times we look at what a person gives to determine value. But God determines value by what you have left after you give. Do you follow that? If, it's, if it doesn't mean anything to you, it will not mean anything to God. It'll just be passive. If it's passive to you, it'll be passive to Him. But you go on just a little bit further, and uh, you come to a woman with an alabaster box of ointment. And uh, it says it was very precious. Most people that I read after believe that it was the woman's dowry. In those days, if you were going to marry well, you would have a proper dowry. But now she comes to the Lord, and she sees him. He's a, in a meal, uh, sitting down at a meal, and as she comes in, and I think everybody was kind of trying to keep, him, keep her away from him, but she breaks that box of ointment, anoints his head, and in that doing, some jump up and say, well, wait a minute, that oil could have been sold. We could have given to the poor. But then you come into this thing that was done. It was her dowry. She was now, really, what she said was, Lord, I'm not going to depend on the standard way of coming into a right relationship, but I'm going to, I'm going to move into a whole other way. I'm not going to depend on that dowry. I'm going to depend on you. But, Lord, that dowry is extremely valuable. It's extremely precious to her. Now, if you can catch that again, many, many things were being done with oil, and my goodness, the Lord owns all the oil in the earth, all the oil everywhere, and how could be impressed with oil? It wasn't what he thought it was worth, it was what she thought it was worth. That's the only way God can establish value. He established value according to how you feel about it. And if it's insignificant to you, it'll be insignificant to him. If it's significant to you, it'll be significant to him. Why is that? Well, God owns everything. How do you impress Him with anything? But when it's in your heart, and it's special to you, it becomes very, very special to Him. Now, we're coming to a very special time in the church. We're talking about expansion. And some people get disturbed with that. They get, oh, my goodness, this, I tithe. Child of God, hear me. There are times when special offerings are made, and they change everything in your life. Let me give you an illustration. God took care of manna and quail and things for the nation of Israel. He, he brought honey out of the rock. He brought water out of a flint stone. These were all great things. But here comes a point where it goes from beyond valuable and it goes into precious. Because if you catch this, every quail is valuable. All the manna was valuable. All of the water that came out of the rocks but then there comes the precious. And God gave His only begotten Son, the most precious thing in the universe. He gave it for you. So we see that not only do, does God establish value in His heart by what you give, but we can establish in our hearts the value by what God gives. So if you grab that, you're seeing that some things, everything's valuable. Among men, it's all valuable. But with God, He owns everything. How do you come to the point that he feels that it was really a great offering, that it was really a great thing that you did? You have to go beyond what is normal in your life, and you have to move into a ground that becomes precious in your life. 
I don't know whether you're catching that or not, but if that is not there, you just have given, and good, the money will be put to a good use. But what has to happen is it needs to come to where it brings something into your life, not only something into the building. Because God says give, and it'll be given to you. What did he say? Give, and it'll be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men put into your hands. So there's something good has to happen for you if something good happens to the house of God. God does not, you see, with all respect, and this, this word is frustrated, but many times I hear people say, now we're going to have to give sacrificially. Well, be careful with that because according to what the Bible says, if you give to a point that it becomes precious to you, it's not a sacrifice because he brings it back to you 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. So be real careful with that because people talk about sacrificial giving. And I'm not mad at anybody that does it. I'm not upset with them. But I do know this, that when I give to God, it is not a sacrifice because it comes back to me. Whatever I give. You see, the farmer is not sacrificing when he plants seed, but he expects a harvest back from it. He expects a harvest back from it. And please know this. God will very seldom surprise you with a blessing. And there are, no, <laughs> there are no miracles that the person wasn't expecting. Every miracle that ever takes place, there's expectation behind that miracle. Are you getting what I'm saying? Whenever you come to the point that you need a miracle, that's one thing, I need it. But if you begin to expect it, if you put in their expectation, then with that expecta- expectation will come a filling of the desire that you have in your heart. God, you know, God's not having us, the building and all the other things about it. That's not just so that he can have it, but it's for us to have, but beyond that. He says, those that provide it, those that see to it, that same group of people goes into the point of the precious. And when they move into the precious, God begins to touch their life in a way like they never imagined before. Just quickly say to you, I was a bricklayer and, uh, got saved as a bricklayer, would still be laying brick today, had nothing, got into the ministry after being saved, still didn't have anything. There there just wasn't anything really changed in our life from the time that we got saved, except for maybe our habit patterns changed. But there came a time that I began to understand that God didn't just want to lay down a rule like the tithe, but he left it open to us to establish the offering. And when I learned how to move out of the part of what I could afford and move into that which was precious, all of a sudden it was coming back to me in greater quantities than I ever imagined. And keep this in mind, and I didn't have it in my notes today, but just just keep this in mind. I'm 77 years old now, and I have an abundance in my life. But you say, well, Brother John, where'd it come from? Well, way back there, the first seeds I started planting into the money seeds I started planting into the kingdom of God, here came some harvest. But I always thought, you know, I'm reading about a bigger harvest than that. Where is the, and I can't, but now that I'm 77, I see that some of the seeds that were planted way back there, they were not bean sprouts. They were not carrots, but some of them were trees. Some of them were great apple trees, peach trees. And just in the, But see what I'm saying? My retirement was not established in the last days of my life. 
But it came to pass from early seeds that I was planting because some of them were planted in things that take a long time to bring forth a harvest. But there it falls right exactly on the time that I'm retiring. And I know retirement today is, seems like a wild dream to some people that you ever would. But as you sow seeds, and if you'll sow them precious, the precious seeds, and put it into the ground, well, Brother John, it doesn't look like you're doing very good. Well, just wait and see. Here comes the end of it, and I'm exceedingly abundantly above all I could ask or think has come into my life. And it's right there for you. It's not that God loved me more. I, I mean, it's really a wonder that he even saved me the way I was living, but the blood is very strong. I was saved. But as you get into your thinking pattern, there's something going on here that almost like a like, you know, whenever an automobile drafts behind another one in a race, they're pulled along with it. There's something going on right now in our house that literally can pull you into a new dimension if you attach yourself to it. Just attach yourself to it. Well, how do I do that? Well, there might be some volunteer things, yes, but then there's another point. There's a point where you can get involved with the financial aspects of this and God promises increase, but he promises increase in the proportion that you're involved. But there's a point where you come to that which is precious to you. And when you touch the precious, I've never seen a place in the Bible that God's hand doesn't move. The woman with the alabaster box of ointment, well, she just gave her ointment. Oh, no, no, no. No matter where this gospel is preached, no matter where, and so many people's name could be in it, so many people's story, but this woman's story is in the Bible. Something happened when she went beyond the, uh, beyond the valuable and she gave the precious. When she gave the precious, there her name is in God's Word. It can't be changed. But go with, go with me uh, to another situation. Oh, let me, let me quickly deal with this here. When, this, uh, when this, there comes a woman now that gives forth a great gift to God in the fact that whenever her her, her meal was gone. Her house was devastated. Everything was bad. The creditor was coming to take her son away and bring him into bondage to pay daddy's debt. And something happens in her life. Notice this. First thing we're here, here is she gave water to the man of God. He wanted a drink of water. Well, that's valuable. But it didn't move God. Nothing changed in her life. As the prophet stood there, 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 the boys are going off to jail. I mean, there's a famine in the land. Is she a giver? Yes, she gave water. But then the prophet spots something about her. She has a son that's going to die quickly. And she's promised that son, the last meal in the house, I'm going to make a nice little cake for you, and you're going to have a nice meal. It was much like his last supper. But notice with me, please. The prophet sees that, and he says, wait a minute. Make me a part of that cake. Make it for me. Now, can you imagine what the newspapers today and what the TVs and everything else would do if we stood up here and took the last little part of the cookie, half the cookie and half, that was the last meal for somebody? Oh, they would have a fit about it. But notice this. The water was valuable, but the cake was precious. It was precious to that woman. Now, nobody would really... Uh, want that cake or give anything for that cake really because whenever you get at the time that the death angel is is living in your house all kind of hygiene goes out of the way it's just a terrible situation probably 
little dirt under her fingernails and everything else. She put this little cookie together. The man of God comes and says, I want a piece of that. Well, how could you want that? Look, it, I want that because it's precious to that person. It's precious to her. And when it's precious to her, it's precious to God. And God's hand, listen, God's hand goes in that barrel of meal. And it continues to bring forth oil and bring forth uh, grain or meal until finally the famine is over. And it comes to be that her entire nation was devastated, many dead, but she and her children were well. Now watch this. The Bible tells us also, and let me quickly look at that address for you. In in, uh, uh, Luke 4, about 25, it tells us, just, just watch up here. We'll just, Luke 4 and 25 we find now that no other widows were saved in that time. No other widow. There was not another widow that was saved in that time. My Lord, well, many dealt with their need. Others dealt with their desire, and God got involved in it, and it became an overcomer. It became an overcoming power in her life. Are you catching that? Many, many, many widows in the land One widow reaches into the precious, shares it with God, and she and her house and even the prophet lived many years after that, off of that which took place in that miracle. So we've just got to catch in our minds that there's something supernatural that takes place when we give to God. It is, is, uh, we have offerings, we have our tithe, our offering, and those things keep things moving and it's general in our lives. Great blessing, it opens heaven. But in this time that comes up, in this bringing our, the, the, the completion of some of the things, our entrance, other things, parking lots, classes that need to be finished, all those things look like, oh, Brother John, it's all closing in on me. No, it's lifting you to another level of opportunity. Because now the tithe's been coming, the offerings have been coming, but you're now looking for something special that's over and above. And if you want to find out how to make that where it means as much to God as you want it to, go into the precious. Go into the precious. Some amount that seems, you know, that just shakes you a little bit. But I've noticed this, if it doesn't touch me, it doesn't touch God. It doesn't touch him if it doesn't touch me. So what are you doing? You're fundraising? No, I'm not fundraising. I'm just giving some illustrations of what takes place whenever we give to God. Now, when you come down to, and uh, I had uh, planned to say more, but I want to primarily begin to come to a conclusion with this. The reason is, how else do you tell this thing? How else do you tell that this takes place? Well, think with me. There's one or two other places where we find an answer. And we can look at them for a moment. Whenever you come to the point of, uh, well, let me read to you. Uh, uh, I want to go into Psalms 118.24. Let's turn to that place, please. Uh, uh, with, up, on the, up on the screen. I want to go over that with you a minute. Uh, are we up there? We're coming up. I, I didn't give my addresses the way I should have. But we're dealing with Psalms 118.24 says, This is the day which the Lord hath made. We will be glad and rejoice in it. And how many of you know that's such a wonderful verse? We just so many, we sing it in some of our songs, but many of us don't realize that there was a financial need in David's life 
that he was asking God to meet. Let's go a little bit further with the thought. Whenever you get to that, it says, uh, This is the day which the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Save now, I beseech you, that 25th verse. O Lord, send now prosperity. Are you hearing that? He needs finances. He needs an increase in his finances. And what does he do? He sows into the kingdom of God. And you say, well, Brother John, I don't see that. Well, just two verses beyond this. Look, just, just go a couple of verses for, further, dear, if you can. It says, God is the Lord which hath shown us light. Bind the sacrifice with cords even unto the horns of the altar. David says, this is the day the Lord hath made. I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. Lord, send prosperity. I have a financial need in my life. And what does he do then? Get down begging and throwing dust in the air? No. He ties the sacrifice to the horns of the altar. He ties his desire from God to the offering that he's making. Now, we have a hard time sometimes grasping that. But when you get into the Bible, you come to find that God has this heart for us. And what, how did he show that? Rain, this, that. Now, people turned rain into a God. They turned trees into a God. I mean, every kind of thing. They turned rocks into God. But God says, I love you, and now I'm going to give the unusual. I'm going to go give you the precious into your lives. I give you my son. And through that comes the salvation of God. But now we have the nature of God. Once we've been saved, we have the nature of God. We have the Holy Ghost within us. We have the Christ. We have a relationship with God like never before. And we're becoming more and more like Him if we're doing what God wants us to do. And what's the illustration? He gave the precious. So from time to time, we have to give the precious. Now, He didn't sacrifice Jesus every Sunday or every Saturday. But there came a time that He gave His only begotten Son. It was a special time. The Bible says it was at the fullness of time. At the very top of time, he gives his son. And so what was it? Precious. What else? Would oh, here's a father that has a son, and he has a great father's heart. But what does he give? He gives the precious. And when he puts the precious into the earth, thousand year, plus years, 2,000 years later, more and more people every day are coming into the kingdom of God. How did it happen? It happened through a precious, a precious offering that God put into the earth for our benefit. So as I talk about the precious, you know in your life what's precious. You say, oh, Brother John, I don't know, so-and-so gave so much. Has nothing to do with it. Absolutely nothing to do with it. There is no standard outside of the tithe set as to what a person should give. But then beyond that, God now gives you the opportunity to give that which will be special to him. But it can only be special to him if it's special to you. Now, this time comes by and you say, Brother John, we do this, will it happen again? Well, no doubt. It's going to be a great growing church. It's a great growing church. But what will happen, there'll be hundreds more to help us make the next step. And it won't be made for the hundred that do it, but it'll be done for those that will come afterwards that will win to Christ. So you catch, when the precious moves, God's hand moves. And God's hand moved, moved us up on top of this hill. Put us in occupancy here. 
It didn't just come here because somebody left it and we abandoned it, but it's been built, engineered, laid out for a great plan of God. And here we are in it. And here we are already beginning to grow some. But we're the ones now that has to make the expansion that will make it so that we can reach more people in this city, not just reaching their ear, but touching their lives, their children's lives, teenagers' lives, a rounded program. You know, years ago, high school students went in the old auditorium. When it'd just be wore out and it moved to a new auditorium, then it was just left for the, you know, it was divided up in little squares and the kids went into it. That's not the way you win people today. You have to have right now things. And if they have the right now things, nursery, I mean, the mother's got to feel good about leaving that baby in the nursery. I took a church in California, just quickly. And my wife and I came there, and we just put the children into the nursery. And they had a yard out back where they played, and I didn't even see that. And my, little, my youngest son came home. He had dirt all the way into the middle of his ear. We didn't know how to. So what was the deal here? What were we going to do? There, was, there wasn't money to meet the budget. The church was in trouble. Well, we got together and we decided that we had to move into another dimension. We came together, the handful that were left. We put the precious together and we finished that area with grass out there and cleaned up that nursery and made it look nice where a mother could feel right about leaving her child. But then, too, the teenagers were kind of meeting out under what was like a, like a tent shed out there. And we realized that's not going to draw teenagers. And we began to change out. But each time, those that cared had to bring forth the precious. But the nice thing was, each time there were more people to help do it. And more people the next time. And in a short order, we were having a great touch of that city over in El Cajon, California. But how did it come to pass? It came to pass by a group of people coming together and realizing that the purpose of God in that house was bigger than what it was, but that it went beyond what we were in. And then came the time to put the precious forth. And as the precious came forth, and I'll give you this quick verse just before I'm seated, and I will be in just a moment. It says, He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed. Now, you know, I gave him the offer today, but it didn't make me cry. Didn't make me cry. But there are some amounts that make me cry. <laughs> but he that goeth forth weeping, that weepeth bringing forth uh, precious seed. Now here's the guarantee. The only place I've found a guarantee in God's word. He that goeth forth weeping and bearing precious seed shall doubtless come again, bringing his sheaves with him. They'll sow seeds, but they'll come back with sheaves on the shoulder. But how is it? doubtless, doubtless, doubtless. I've never gone into the precious and planted it into God's house that something didn't expand in my house, that there wasn't a change in my finances, there wasn't a change in the things that we had in our house. Are you grasping that? Yeah. There's no guarantee, brother. Yes, there is. If you're bringing that which is precious, what is the precious seed? It's when there, aren't, when there isn't much seed left. It'd be easier just to eat it. But no, I'm going to plant it. And when it's planted, it's guaranteed they're coming doubtless, coming again, bearing his sheaves. No longer is it a handful of seeds, but now it's a field full of sheaves of wheat or whatever it is that he's carrying to his house. Remember that word. If it stays in your mind, that'll change everything. Shall doubtless 
come again. But if the seed's precious, there's no question about it, it's going to come back 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. This is the most exciting time in the house, so exciting. Um, it's kind of like a new baby coming into the house. That's, that's exciting. But the excitement is putting up the nursery and getting the curtains up and getting the bed just right and, you know, and cleaning the whole house up. Everything's new. The baby's coming. Well, that's where we're at right now. We're in the process of birthing. We're birthing another three to 500 people. But it's going to take some labor pains. But God says, get into the precious, and I'll get into your precious life and bring abundance into it. Thank you, Pastor. Praise God.